0: 7.30 a.m. The alarm goes off. You had to set two because uh, it's tough to wake up. It's tough to get out of bed. and It's hard to see. You know, your eyes are still crusty. Sliding on those dirty shorts. Maybe some slippers. And you walk your way into the kitchen. Open the fridge. And there, wrapped in foil, is the work that you've done the night before. You've got two racks of baby back ribs that have been demembraned, that have been rubbed. They have been rubbed maybe with some mustard and then hit with like a garlic salt base. And then you hit it with your favorite dry rub. And that sat in the fridge overnight. And the thing, the uncanny thing that happens is that when you initially hit them with that rub and those salts, It's dry. It's a dry rub. But overnight, that salt starts to sink and seep into the meat and pull out the moisture. So now that they're these little moist, wet pieces of meat, what are we going to do with these things, right? Why the fuck are you up so early? You make your way outside. Walk over to the smoker. You grab yourself that little chimney. Now, for those of you who don't know, a chimney is basically... This sheet metal circular, it's got a little handle. It's a a sheet metal little chimney. Wow, I got that out. Uh, You stick a couple pieces of newspaper on the bottom, and then you fill it with either charcoal lumps, you fill it with hardwood, and you light it without lighter fluid. This is how you actually light charcoal without lighter fluid. You use these little chimneys, and the way that they're constructed, just the flame from a newspaper turns into a furnace and ignites everything over time. So that way you're not getting any of that really gross chemical taste on any of your food, right? So then you light those charcoals, you sit there, you wait, you prep your grill, you prep your smoker, you gotta scrub those grates because you didn't do it when you finished last time, so that's kind of a bitch. And you're out there in your flip-flops, and your cargo shorts, <laughs> scrubbing away at old crusty pieces from your last barbecue Finally, those coals get up to temp. You lay them on the bottom, and you lay down with them, not on them, but with them, pieces of hardwood. Maybe it's cherry, maybe it's apple. And the whole time that you're doing this, maybe for those of you who drink coffee, you're drinking some coffee. For me, maybe it's some juice. It might even be a beer this early, you know? And you're sitting there watching as the smoke goes up into the sky you smell that cherry wood you smell that apple wood and things get real quiet man you hear the early morning birds you just listen to the wind going through the trees and it's peaceful it's this peaceful moment so now your grill's up to temp and you're trying you're struggling with it you're working with those different vents on top and the bottom trying to get that airflow correct, and you get it up to that temperature that you need for these ribs. You grab them, you throw them on, and you seal them up. And you let them sit. And they sit in that smoke. And they sit in that heat. And you gotta babysit them. So it's not like a set and forget it kind of thing. But that's why you do it. The babysitting is why you decide to smoke meats. Because what it does is it slows everything down so all that stress those deadlines all that stuff disappears and the most important thing in your day is making sure that that temperature stays consistent making sure that that smoke stays clean and what is your reward for all this a rack of ribs and not just any rack of ribs but the perfect fall off the bone rack of ribs that you made, you designed, you created. And maybe you're a fat ass and you're doing it for yourself. You know, I've done that. But more likely you're doing it for people that are coming to enjoy it with you. And that's why you're doing it, man. And that's why I love barbecue. It's a big part of why I love barbecue. And guess what? Today's episode's all about fucking barbecue. (laughs) You guys that signed up for a filmmaking episode are going to have to sit through one of my favorite hobbies, which is smoking meat and barbecuing. And we have a whole episode dedicated to that. And you know what? Don't be bitchy about it. I know that you like to eat fucking barbecue. And I know that there's a big part of you right now that are really curious about it. And because of COVID and the coronavirus bullshit, we are all locked down with way too much time on our hands. And so I thought that maybe by bringing someone on the show who is an authority on barbecue, somebody who I have turned to over the years on my own through his YouTube channel, looking for tips and tricks so that I don't fuck up that $100 piece of meat, Um, and I thought I'd get this guy on the show to help you guys fall in love with barbecue too. And to help you guys understand why it is that I am so obsessed with lighting a fire and throwing meat on it. And it's not just me, man. I got a bunch of pals in this business that all do the same thing. We have, I think I've talked about it on other shows. I have uh, my own little barbecue club that I do with uh, David Cruda and a bunch of other guys that, uh. Uh, continue to challenge each other, we, we continue to challenge our cooking skills, and uh, we just get really happy and excited about doing this stuff. And yeah, if you're a gear nut, because a lot of you guys are fucking gear nuts, there's a lot of cool gear and shit that you can buy to do this, but you gotta remember the roots of barbecue, man. Barbecue started, honestly, it started as food for the slaves, man, you know? It started where a group of people would get tossed a really rough cut of meat, Or uh, a group of poor people would have uh, have access to good cuts of meat. And so they had to figure out how to take this really rough and almost uneatable, unedible piece and make it into a delicacy. And over the years, they have. And whether or not you might be a fucking snob about this shit, right? Yeah, like Kansas City, Carolina, all that stuff. No, dude, it's not about... There's such a great tradition, and we should respect the tradition and respect where this food comes from, but it's not about that, man. It's about creativity, and how is this relevant to you as a filmmaker? I've said this a hundred times, man. Cooking a meal is just like making a movie. It's the same fucking thing. There's a lot of prep involved. You're designing an emotional experience. You're using the senses of, of the individuals that are enjoying it with you to enjoy it even further. Um, And the best part about it is, is it's like making a movie on a condensed schedule. That's why I love it. I get the same, I get a better, I get a better high from feeding people than I do from making movies. So that's why we're doing today's show. And I just wanna say, before we get into who the guest is, thank you everybody for tuning in. I hope you guys have enjoyed this season. I'm in love with the process. We are on, I think this is episode 82, if I'm correct. Um, Very excited with everybody that we've had on the show so far. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. I've been working very hard to book guests. Uh, And it's a difficult thing to do uh, because I'm kind of going off back channel, going a back channel way of finding these people because typically most people want to be on shows because they're promoting something. And I prefer to have people on the show when they're not. I prefer to have people on the show when they actually just want to talk about their life and what they do, and it isn't necessarily about whatever fucking new movie is coming out, Uh, but that makes things more difficult, makes things more challenging, and uh, I really appreciate the fact that you guys continuously respond and give feedback on this, because we're busting our asses over here, man. Liam's working his ass off, I'm working my ass off on this stuff, and guess how much money I'm making? That's right, nothing. Nothing. (laughs) So, uh, but I love it, man. I love it. I love it for episodes like this. I love it for the episodes that we've had in the past on the show. It's, it's a great opportunity for me to meet the people that I've always wanted to hang out with. Uh, and that's, that's my payment for now. Uh, but in the meantime, if you want to support the show, if you want to help us keep it afloat, uh, there's a bunch of different ways to do so. You can go to com and click on our sponsors page. And there you can uh, donate to the show directly if you've got a little bit of extra loot, which is a tough thing right now. Uh, and I would never ask that of folks that don't. So I've also offered up an audible free trial thing. And I know you guys have heard of this before. And if you haven't done it yet on another podcast, you could do it with us. If you go to audible trial.com backslash in love with the process there, you can sign up for 30 days for free. It comes with a free audiobook. You get access to all of audibles content. Um, and we get a little bit of loot and then ride it out for 30 days and let's say that you don't have the money or your um, unemployment check didn't come in or your federal stimulus check didn't show up and you're like, fuck, I can't afford this shit, then it's fine, cancel out, not a big deal. We still get paid. It's the best way to donate to this show without costing you a dime. So you can do that on loveontheprocess.com in our sponsor section or below this episode, we'll click the links below. And I just wanna say, uh, you guys have reached out, there have been a lot of folks that have reached out to me and asked to promote the show, that they want graphics for the show, they wanna tell their friends about us. I love you guys. I love you guys and it's really great that you're doing so. And please, promote the show. It's important to us to have as many people listening to the show as possible because it helps. It helps us, it invigors us to make bigger and better content, it helps me book bigger and better guests. Because the truth of the matter is sometimes guests are like, how many people listen to this fucking show? "Eh, You know what I mean? So fuck them. Let's get more people to listen to the show and I'll be able to get bigger and better guests, right? You guys want me to talk to Arnold Schwarzenegger? Tell your fucking friends to listen to the show, okay? Uh, I'm working on that, by the way. Mm -hmm. Slow and steady. Uh, But in the meantime, we've got a great guest on this show uh nothing not to brag like i'm going to brag about this one man this is a good fucking episode and that's maybe because i'm such a fucking barbecue fanboy but fuck it i'm in all right so on today's episode is chef tom jackson the host of all things barbecue there you go you guys know what i'm talking about i know there are a bunch of buddies of mine that are like how the fuck is this happening yes i got chef cha chef tom on our show and uh, if you guys don't know yet, go check them out on YouTube. Watch a couple clips. You could pause this for a sec. Go watch some shit. Get ready to fucking salivate, dude. Because uh, these guys are no joke. They have over 300,000 subscribers on YouTube alone. They do videos on how to smoke and make brisket that have well over a million views. It's insane how many people are obsessed with fucking brisket. Um, so definitely check them out. It's ATBBQ. all things barbecue on youtube and it's atbbq.com with all their super sweet gear and all sorts of stuff so i'm very excited for this episode i'm very excited uh, to have tom on the show so you know the deal you're probably going to want to get a roll of paper towels if you have one those coveted paper towels because you're either going to be drooling all over your fucking face (laughs) Or like me, you're going to get off your seat. It's going to be wet. (laughs) (laughs) So go grab yourself a roll of paper towels, grab yourself a fucking beer, a nice cold beer. Those noise-canceling headphones. Sit back, relax, and envision yourself eating this barbecue on In Love With The Process. Hey, Tom, thanks for being on the show, man. I'm really excited about today, dude. Well, thanks for having me, Mike. Um, so for those of you listening, it, those of you who've been listening to the show, uh, you know that this the show primarily is a filmmaking podcast. It's also a, a photography podcast. It's, a, it's an artist podcast. But I have continuously hijacked this fucking show and made it about barbecue and food. <laughs> 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 and uh, so I'm really excited to have you on the show mostly because whenever I'm doing my barbecue stuff here at home and whenever I'm doing smoking stuff, I'm always checking out what you're working on just for tips and tricks and just for confidence. Because I always feel like right before you start smoking something, especially an expensive piece of meat, you're like, fuck, I don't want to fuck this up. Oh, yeah, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Um, So thanks for being on here, brother. I'm really excited. Absolutely. Um, So I want to talk about a couple different things with you. I think we should talk about... Uh, how you guys film the show and how you guys put this show together? Because you guys are consistent with it. You guys are putting on episodes what, every t- every Tuesday. Uh, it's now every Tuesday
1: and Friday for me, and then we've got a second chef on on staff who's also uh, shooting one a week at this at this point. So huh. wow, we're man. we're doing we're pumping out three a week right now, and hopefully that'll continue to increase. Hell yeah, dude! So you guys are like a full fledged production studio. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a small operation, but uh, most of that. I have to thank uh, uh, Justin Carey for. He's the guy that shoots and edits. He's uh, also a freelance um, DP. In fact, he knows some of the same people you know. Um, <laughs> so uh, when I told him about this podcast, he, he said he, he knew a DP that you had worked with actually uh, on well, that. Probably
0: Cruda. Uh, uh, probably did probably yep, Cruda. That's exactly right. Yeah,
1: Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So he's, he's incredible. He, I mean, He's the one that's making it look good. I feel like I'm not doing much but standing in front of a camera and, you know, putting off food and he's the reason it looks so, so dang good.
0: (laughs) Well, dude, you got a great personality. I mean, I've spent enough time uh, filming chefs and filming people on camera and uh, it really is all about personality and it's really all about being with that person that you feel comfortable making food for you. And dude, you have that, you have that whole essence, which is really great.
1: Well, thank you so much. It, It took a long time to feel comfortable. Uh, and even now I don't love to watch them back. Like I just, uh, I'm not comfortable (laughs) watching myself, but, uh, it, it was just practice and repetition really. Um, I also getting to know some other personalities, uh, a good friend of mine, his name's Eric Gephardt. Um, and if you watch any of the barbecue videos, you may have seen him. He works for Kamado Joe. So he's on that ceramic grill charcoal grill side of things. And he is their chef and he travels the world and throws these parties. And this guy's just, uh, Eric's a great dude. He's got a big personality. And after spending some time with him and even shooting with him here at All Things Barbecue, he lives in North Carolina, but he flew out to Kansas a couple of times to shoot videos with us. And I watched this guy and I just thought, I need to wake up. Like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) this was years ago. uh, And I realized that Nobody wants to watch the boring guy, you know. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I I think we've come a long way, and I hope we've got a, a lot further to go. Uh, but I, I do appreciate that,
0: dude. That's great, man. And that was one of the questions I was going to ask you. So you've never had any form, so trial by fire for you, right? No, no formal training on how to do video stuff. No, not video stuff. I mean, like
1: I said, Justin's a professional. He's um, he's helped me out a lot. Uh, but we're at the point now where the two of us are direct and co-directing really when it comes to yeah. these videos, there's times when oh, we just, we're in sync. I mean, we've been doing this for five years together. So when he's going to move, I see it happening and I stop, you know, and yeah. early on though, he would be like, slow down. And I'm like, no <laughs> dude, we're in the kitchen. We got to go fast, you know, because anywhere you've ever worked in a kitchen, you better be doing stuff as fast as you can do it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, But we've kind
1: of just gotten, we're comfortable, you know, uh, we have a a good chemistry together and, and that's a, that's a big testament to that. You know, when we bring outsiders in to shoot, it it never goes as smooth just because that, you know, they haven't all built that same relationship.
0: Yeah. Cause you guys sort of develop a dance, which is, which is an interesting thing. Cause I assume that it's just like a one camera shoot, right? So it's just one guy shooting you. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah, And that may be changing. We've hired another guy just this week, really, uh, who's been spending some time here. And it looks like we're picking up another camera. So we may be able to get away with doing two shot uh, filming, two cameras filming at the same time. Uh, It's not a priority at this point, but it would be nice for some projects.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize when they watch this kind of stuff is that, uh, especially when you're doing, because I've done a bunch of one camera stuff on Chefs too, it's it's really difficult to find the correct angle and the right angle uh, for when people are slicing things or for when people are doing certain things. So it's a whole lot of start and stop. And like, I need to get into position and the light's not right. I got to get that light into position. Um, And then sometimes, I don't know if you guys do this, but I know for a lot of stuff that we've done. Uh, you, you're just you've got multiples, so it's like, oh, let's cut that again, or let's do this again, or let's do that. Um, what kind of prep are you guys doing on the show? Are you is it like I have an idea? Let's just do it and let's try to capture it. Or are you guys doing this really film style where it's like start stop in multiple pieces and stuff like that?
1: Man, I don't. I mean, I guess I only know how we we how we do things the way we do. Um, I all of my prep is on the front end as far as research and testing recipes and stuff like that and most of justin's work is in the moment and after the fact cuz he's got he's he's got an editor now but he's still editing um yeah 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 in the moment um i just trust justin i mean i i'd never had to question anything because he, he finds the shot you know yeah. uh, i i just and he does it better than Most food videos I see out there, you know, uh, certainly what we see on YouTube. Um, So I just credit him with knowing where to be. Um, That said, though, there's definitely times where in that moment, I'm like, you've been on that shot for a long time. You want to do an on camera or I haven't been on camera in a while. Let's talk to the camera or, you know, I bet you could catch that from this side if, you know, just we're, we're communicators for sure when it comes to that kind of stuff
0: you can tell that you guys like you can tell that it feels really kind of freeform but it's also it, it's just that time in that makes it really comfortable um because i i don't feel like it it's definitely not it's like when you watch like uh, some of the old food network stuff it's like this is way too glossy and way too processed and half the time it's like i know that this person's a chef but are they still cooking <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so when i watch your stuff it's like okay so this guy's definitely getting his hands dirty all the time and and one of the questions I was going to ask you is: Do you pre-test all these recipes ahead of time and then get them on film, or do you just wing it when you get the cameras there? Uh, they're tested. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Some of these things I've made
1: fifty times. Some of, some of them I've made one time. Uh, but I I always want to know what I'm talking about. I don't. I'm not trying to, you know, BS once I get on camera. Totally, totally, man, totally. I, um, I, I f- it feels wrong to me. People look at look to me like I'm an expert on barbecue and I'm just out here cooking like everyone else. But because they have that expectation, I I owe it to anyone that wants to watch our videos to actually know what I'm talking about. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah. 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 I often feel that way with this podcast. Half the time it just comes off the top of my head and I'm like, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I've never, I don't even know if that's true. Because <laughs> you forget, you forget, you know, that, that a lot of people are watching these things. A lot of people, I mean, you guys have... Some crazy traffic. You got over three hundred forty-six thousand subscribers for all things barbecue. So you guys are definitely getting eyes on you. Uh,
1: yeah, um, man, well, man. We hope that keeps growing. You know, um, we've come a long, a long way with that. I, I feel like consistency is what does that though. You know, um, us being here every week, and now twice mm-hmm. a week, and even three times a week, we're kind of hoping that that's the push we need to get that number higher. It seems like a lot of times we get. We do get comments a lot that are like, how does this channel not have more subscribers? And I'm like, I don't know. You tell me, what do I need to do? (laughs) You know, we're proud of how far we've come, but we feel like we have a long way to go.
0: Yeah. How'd you guys start anyways? How'd the whole thing come together? (laughs)
1: Uh, well, I, uh, I don't know how much you know about all things barbecue. So maybe I'll just kind of tell you the story of that and then how I came to be a part of it. Um, all things barbecue is a retail store, not a restaurant. Um, we sell obviously everything you see in the videos, grills, sauces, anything related to barbecue, even outdoor kitchens, outdoor furniture. It's a small family run business. That's growing into a barbecue empire, outdoor living really empire. Um, and I've known this family for a long time. I bet I was hanging out with the owner's kids when we were teenagers, even certainly (laughs) early twenties. Um, so I was out in Portland, Oregon, where I'd gone to culinary school, and I was working uh, at Ken's Artisan Bakery, which is this fantastic bakery in Portland. Kins, you know, he's a James Beard award-winning author, um, and, and I got to work under him for about four years out there, and uh, had a kid with my wife while we were out there, and about that same time a year later the Carey family who owns All Things Barbecue came calling and said, hey, we're doing these cooking classes, but it's too much work. Can you come do this full time? <laughs> so I moved back to Kansas where I'm from originally, uh, largely because we wanted to be close to family now that we had a kid and we're pretty tight with our family. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then that turned into the All Things Barbecue job, which initially thought I was coming here to do cooking classes. And we still do. We've shut down, obviously, during this whole... Corona crisis. Uh, We've shut down cooking classes, which is unfortunate because they're a ton of fun. We pack 45, 50 people into our teaching kitchen, and people travel from all over the United States to come to them, which is amazing. Uh, And they're a really good time. But somewhere in that process, they thought, well, um, it was actually the owner's son who was our e commerce director at the time said, I want you to start doing. weekly recipe video i was like i don't have time to do one recipe a week you know (laughs) 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 on top of all this other stuff and he was like you're doing it so i did it uh and they were bad man you can go back and watch the first ones and i'm I'm like quiet and (laughs) i don't have any energy and i've never been in front of a camera before you know Yeah, Um, yeah so i it was a lot of trial by fire we we learned fast we learned hard lessons uh I think they're harder because they exist in the world still and you can go watch (laughs) (laughs) how painful it was when we started out. Um, But at some point we realized that these videos, which were essentially designed to teach people how to use the products they were buying from us Mm -hmm. and what else they could do with products that they can buy from us. I mean, it's purely a marketing campaign for all things barbecue to sell more barbecue equipment Uh, and that's my job, you know, but I get to do it in a really fun and creative way. Uh, and at some point we realized it's driving sales and we need to work harder at it to drive more sales. And that's what's happening now. Uh, it's, it's been really cool to see the effect it's had because for a long time we, we were doing these weekly videos, had no idea if there was any point in spending our time on them. But, uh, like you said, with the subscribership growing into the hundreds of thousands, uh, we get that many eyes on you at, some percentage of those people want to recreate what you're doing and will spend their money with us. And that's, I mean, that's what we, I mean, that's what we're doing it for at this point, not yeah. purely for sales, but but to encourage creativity uh, within our business and what, what we offer to
0: people. It's crazy, man. The obsession, I mean, I'm obsessed with barbecue, the obsession that the, that people have with barbecue, like where do you think that fucking comes from? Is it the fire? Is it the building of fire? Is it dealing with raw meat? Like, why are we all so pumped about barbecue?
1: <laughs> I think it's all of it, man. Uh, and some of, man, maybe a big part of it is, is a lot of the reason why I got into cooking, uh, which is I like make, making people feel good, you know?
0: Yeah. I yeah. like
1: to know that I can do a thing that will affect a person's day and make it better, you know? Yeah. And yeah, when you yeah. feed something to someone and they love it, that's, that's all I need out of it, you know? it's just I, that, that feeling... I get a lot out of that. And that's probably a personality thing. Not everyone's like that. But I, I guarantee you, you I, well, I, I can't guarantee you, but I, I assume you feel the same way when you oh, cook yeah, barbecue. Dude. You know what I mean? Dude, I,
0: I always say that uh, chefs are the closest thing to a film director because we're we're doing the same thing essentially. What we're doing is we're, we're curating a moment. We're curating an emotion. We're cur- curating an experience. Uh, and the thing that I like about cooking more than I like about directing is that cooking is a lot more condensed. So I can actually sit down, come up with a recipe, uh, and then go through the process of doing that over a few hours or maybe all day if it's barbecue. Right. And then present it to an audience and then get that rush that you get when you make something really great for somebody.
1: So let me ask you a question then. When you spend months or even years on a film project. Is that uh-huh. feeling when it's done and people get to experience, is it that much better for you?
0: It can be. Here's the thing. That's what the show's all about. The show's called in love with the process because if the reason why I, I did this was for that moment that I get from cooking, <laughs> it would be, it'd be fucking miserable. Oh, <laughs> because, sure. Because you know, it's, it's years, man. To, you and far to get a movie going, it's like eight years, six years. And so, Uh, for us, I've, for filmmaking, I've really just learned to love all the little steps and all the processes involved with it and the lifestyle that that comes with it. And then being able to talk to guys like you and talk to different people and part of, because I, I work in this business. Um, but, uh, with cooking, it's a, it's a lot different. It's a lot more condensed. So, you know, we sit down and we smoke some ribs and then you can be teasing people on that. It's like you're releasing a trailer when they when they can smell the ribs. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're in that space and they're like this is going to be a good fucking movie. You're like yeah, it's gonna be <laughs> <laughs> uh But it's 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 crazy, man. So to answer your question, it's not the same. I want it to be the same, and then sometimes when I finish. Uh, Actually, I'm a lot more rewarded when I finish food because people will literally go through some sort of orgasmic experience if you're doing a good job. <laughs> but with with video, like uh, we just did uh, the last Zarface hip hop video and I fucking love that piece. And I remember I sent it out and people would just watch on the phone and go yeah that was cool and i'm like yeah. <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> I spent like weeks on this thing I'm like yeah. yeah yeah it's really good it's cool i like it click done and you're like god damn it how about i make you some ribs like, yeah i need something from you
1: <laughs> well i you probably wouldn't be doing both if they gave you the same feeling uh i yeah, guess that makes true.
0: sense mm. but um Okay, so enough about the fucking, uh, the, the, the video production and all that stuff. I wanted to just get that in there just to make sure that it blended with the show. I want to talk fucking barbecue with you, brother, because all right. I love it. I love it so much. Um, so let me ask you a couple questions. If you had to choose, right? So if you had to choose pellet, wood, or charcoal, you only had one grill at your place, which one would it be? Well, I,
1: I, I don't have to choose because I have all three. <laughs>
0: No reason to brag here, my man. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I literally Um, have
1: four grills at home. Uh, One of them is a Weber kettle. So that doesn't see much attention anymore. Uh, I've got a stick burner, a Yoder like offset smoker. Um, I've got the Yoder pellet grill. And then I've Mm -hmm. got a Kamado Joe for the charcoal experience. Uh, The pellet grill gets the most use, but I think that's because of my lifestyle right now. I've got two kids. Mm -hmm. Um, They require a lot. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Soccer practices and whatever. I mean, not at the moment, but um, if there's one positive thing that's going on right now, it's that everybody's slowing down. You know what I mean? Appreciating moments. But generally speaking, our life moves fast, and the pellet grill uh, is the best experience for that. And the majority of my grilling that I do at home is hot and fast on the pellet grill because I don't have a lot of time to make dinner. I spend all day smoking meat at work. Yeah, Um, yeah. But if I'm talking about for the experience, if I want to cook on one grill, it's probably an offset stick burner. I love Mm. the slow pace. Uh, I love the flavor of that. I love, man, just the smell of the smoke in the air when you're burning hickory or cherry. Those are two yeah, of my favorites okay. for sure. Yeah,
0: uh,
1: yeah, yeah, and especially in the morning. Something about firing up a smoker in the morning and drinking a cup of coffee. Uh, it reminds me of camping. And you start cooking that food, and you got coffee, and you got smoking. <laughs> you know, it's like. And I think that that back to your question before, I think that's a big part of what people appreciate about making barbecue white drives people crazy uh is because it does create some sort of like slowed down connection with what's going on it's a very primal thing to build a fire from scratch um mm-hmm. the pellet grill is incredibly convenient the flavor that comes off of it is better than a gas grill like without a doubt um because you're still cooking with wood but when it comes down to it you're pushing buttons and that disconnects you on some level
0: you sure, know what I mean? Yeah.
1: So. Uh, for the experience you got I love to build a fire from scratch and just enjoy every moment of it
0: and for those of the, for those listening because I take for granted that most people don't understand like Liam do you know what a pellet grill is
1: no no I don't
0: <laughs> 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 so we should probably explain what what is it a what is a pellet grill Tom uh, yeah.
1: So the pellet grill uh, burns these wood pellets. The ones that we use are a hundred percent wood. Some of them have some sort of binders, but the, they're these little pellets of compressed, essentially like sawdust, maybe not quite that fine. Um, mm-hmm. But you fill up your hopper with pellets. You turn the grill on like an oven. You set it to a temperature specifically with the Yoders and they're really good at that. It's just like turning on your oven and you hit go and it, has a computer that regulates how many pellets to drop to keep it at the temperature that you want it. And so it's just completely automated, self sufficient. Uh, you do need power because there's forced air. It's the fans blowing onto the fire that or onto the, the burning wood pellets that, you know, cause it to work. So that's, it's uh it's one step re- removed from wood fire cooking and, you know, one step, more connected to wood fire cooking than like cooking on a gas grill. It's easy and it tastes great.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's a lot easier to maintain temperature on something like that. That's I think sure. that's the big the big challenge with uh doing uh smoking and slow cooking on on uh, grills as opposed to doing just standard barbecuing is that you're trying to maintain a specific temperature. You're trying to maintain a low temperature that you're keeping over a long period of time. And so right. there's a lot of techniques and tricks that that uh pitmasters have have developed over the years on like uh when they're feeding coals into it when they're feeding embers into it and, and like th- there's a whole plethora of like really cool little techniques that you can get nerdy about um but that's that's the skill and, and in my experience because what do i have i've got i've got like a, a weber um like a bullet smoker so like one of the oh, yeah. bullets smoky mountain and yeah 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 and uh uh, sometimes you can never tell what it's going to do. Like sometimes you'll load it up and you're like, this thing's consistent and it's great. And then depending upon the weather, it's like you're fighting to, to mm-hmm. try to keep the temperature where it belongs. So it's, it's a wacky fucking thing, man.
1: That's one of the grills that I have the least amount of experience with. Uh, but I did have, I've had fun cooking on it. The first time I ever cooked on a Weber Smoky Mountain, uh, I was invited to be a guest at a, a festival in, um, in Sydney, Australia called meat stock. And they cool. flew me out and they paid me more than I've ever been paid to go to an event. And they said, well, part of, part of you flying down here, we want you to teach a class before this festival. And I'm like, that sounds cool. Can you get me some Yoders? Uh, the grills that I cook on most frequently and that, uh, all things barbecue, you know, that's our, 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 our go-to grill. And mm-hmm. they said, yes, but you're going to have to do it at a Weber store and you're going to have to cook on a Weber. Um, I'm like, that's fine. I don't want to cook on a Weber, you know. And I show up, and there's a Smoky Mountain there on the <laughs> sidewalk out front. And I'm like, never cooked on one of these. Let's see how this goes. So I taught a class on how to cook on this grill that I'd never touched before.
0: <laughs> I think turned out to the, it was great. Worked out. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Sometimes you do have to BS a little bit, but um, no, I the concepts transfer from one grill to another. Uh, working with fire is similar and different, but uh, you know once you you understand airflow, and uh, I, that probably airflow is the biggest thing in barbecue. You know, uh, certainly on a on an offset stick burner, um, mm-hmm. the most important thing is that you're burning a clean fire with. Uh, Sorry. It's all good. It's all good. (laughs) It's great. It's okay. She's the owner. She can shout if she wants to. (laughs) Um, No, the airflow is the key. I mean, burning a clean fire. uh, Because the thing that people don't like about barbecue sometimes is, you know, when you, uh, like, you eat some barbecue and it's, like, super smoky. And you're like, well, smoke's good, right? That's what we're supposed to have. And then, like, an hour later, you're still, like, burping up smoke.
0: That's Yeah,
1: that's a dirty fire that's uh that's when your fire doesn't get enough airflow it produces acrid thick gray smoke that attaches to the meat and sticks with you and it's 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 gross uh, but yeah, when you can we- burn a clean fire that wood burns thin blue wispy smoke um and so that's why when I'm cooking with an offset, I always prefer to have one small, very hot fire in the back rather than filling the whole thing up with a bunch of lo- logs and choking down the airflow. I want as much air moving through there as possible so that that smoke moves quickly and cleanly over the meat without leaving too much of that sediment behind that you're going to hate later.
0: And I've also heard too, and, and maybe this is, you know, cause you hear all sorts of stuff. Um, but I've also heard that it it helps to make sure that you're like basically preheating your wood before you're actually throwing it in the fire. And I've I've seen a bunch of techniques where people are actually stacking the wood basically in the box, but just to get it up to temp. And supposedly that helps produce cleaner yep. smoke. Is that true?
1: Yeah, I, I found it to be true. That's exactly how I do it. When I'm cooking in that firebox, I push the fire all the way to the back. And I typically just have like one log on at a time. And you can adjust, even with a small fire, more airflow means more heat, less airflow means less heat. So you can still adjust the temperature even with a small fire. And then that front front side of that firebox, I've always got a log just sitting up there that's it's never going to catch fire on its own, but it'll warm all the way up so that as soon as you roll it over, it, it combusts. There's combustion immediately. If you throw a yeah. cold piece of wood on the fire or, you know, room temperature, whatever, outside temperature it takes a minute for it to warm enough warm up enough to combust and during that time it's putting off that acrid thick smoke that we were talking about that you don't want so it Mm -hmm. may be a short period of time that you put off that kind of smoke but if you do it i don't know 12 times over the course of an eight-hour cook or something that's a Mm -hmm. lot of bad smoke you're putting into your food
0: All right, I hate to do it, but I gotta do it. I gotta stop this fucking barbecue porn talk for some advertisements. And by advertisements, I just mean showing love to the people, the men and women that support the show because uh, these are sponsors that I love. These are humans that I know. These aren't just companies that I'm reaching out to. These are people that I fucking know and that I've met and the people that I respect uh, and the people that I love that make stuff that support us in our industry. Uh, first up, our good buddies over at Puget Systems. Puget Systems is the place to go if you're looking for a brand new computer. If you're a filmmaker, you're a photographer, you're an audio engineer, if you're just a fucking video game nerd and your machine has got that pinwheel of death, it is just not loading, the graphics aren't running fast enough, you have to turn down the resolution on shit in order to watch it. Uh, instead of going to the big shit, those big boys out there that have three machines and the price tag It's like, what? You want my fucking leg? You want my leg and my arm to get this goddamn thing? Fuck you. Uh, No, no, no. Go buy a PC. They're more affordable. They're a hell of a lot more customizable. um, And they're upgradable. So this shit's going to last you a while. I still have my Puget Systems machine right now. And I got this thing, what? Five years ago? Six years ago? This one I'm working on? And I still cut on it, man. And it runs awesome. So... Go to PugetSystems.com. There you can pick your machines, a baseline package based upon the software you use. That's how they break it up, which is really cool. Um, And then the thing that they love to do is they love to talk to their clients. So you can tell them specifically what it is that you have, what kind of money you have, and what you need. And then they'll help you build a machine or build a machine for you. And here's the great thing, because in the past, you haven't been able to get Puget System stuff if you're not in this country because they haven't been able to ship outside this country. Or maybe you are stuck in the Mac world and you want to build a Macintosh and you want to build your own version of it. Uh, These guys have a new uh, consulting offer out there, so they're offering up their services. I think for a five hundred dollar base start, uh, they will consult on how to build the system, on the right equipment to get, the right hardware to get, the right combination of hardware to make your shit work perfectly. Uh, And this is huge for the for you guys that can't actually get a puget build system they will talk you through it and help you make it so i know a lot of you listeners that have been in different countries and been like mike they don't ship to us and i we really want one well here's your deal man check them out go to puget we'll put the links below click through on the links because i tell them that you guys ask me all the time and they're like yeah do you have them click the links because then we'll know <laughs> so fucking do it all right Um, Okay. Also on the show, supporting the show, as always, is our good friends over at uh, Quasar Science. I'm actually going to get some more Quasar Science guys on the show because they have a bunch of cool new stuff to talk about. One of the best advancements in our industry is lighting. Lighting has been such a huge thing for us over the past five, six, eight years. Uh, And LED lights have changed the face of our industry. Uh, They're so useful. You can actually program different colors into them. Uh, They draw less power. There are so many reasons why I love LED lights. Um, And a lot of people ask me, what is in your kit, Mike? I've got a bunch of different things that are in my kit, but I have a bunch of Quasar tubes. Uh, I love these guys. I sought them out intentionally because I love them. Uh, And I'm happy to have them as a sponsor on the show. So go check them out. Go to quasarscience.com. Okay. Those are our reads for this episode. And you know what, while we're here, I'm also going to plug all things barbecue. They didn't ask me to, but I'm going to do it, man, because I I love this shit. If you're looking, if you're listening to this show today and you're looking for a new grill, if you're looking for a starter grill, maybe you're looking for some good dry rubs, uh, you can get real fucking nerdy on this website, man. If you go to atbbq.com, check out their stuff. They have everything you need to get started. Uh, in your smoking experience and your grilling experience and then if you're someone like me who is looking for some new ideas if you've been doing it for a while uh, definitely go watch their youtube channel because tom and his crew put together really cool videos and they're not just clickbait fucking videos man uh they're videos that really get into the nitty-gritty on how you make this stuff work and it's pretty simple i think you're gonna love it so let's get back to it with tom i have him tell you how much you're gonna love it And for those listening, because I just got to keep everybody up with us here. For those listening, these are all techniques with barbecue, at least from my opinion. And you can jump in, Tom, and tell me I'm full of shit anytime. (laughs) So it's fine. Uh, But at least from my opinion, barbecue is all about uh, getting the flavor, getting that smoke flavor in your meat initially, then um, uh, slow cooking. So what you're trying to do generally when you're cooking this stuff, you're getting kind of the worst cuts of meat. You're getting like really tough cuts of meat that if you would normally cook would be almost unbearable to eat and what you're trying to do is just over a slow period of time at a very low temperature break down all of that connective tissue all that cartilage all that stuff uh, which becomes flavor and it sort of flows into the meat Um, but that requires like a consistent low temp Um, and then what you're attempting to do is just add that bark and that flavor on the outside of the meat without burning the meat so it's there's a challenge between all those is that correct i'd say you nailed it Fuck yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, man.
1: (laughs) Uh, But with that said, um, I would say there's like a sliding scale. Like you can cook as fast as you want to. Um, Mm -hmm. So the the, the longer you want to cook, the lower the temperature. The faster you want to cook, the higher the temperature. I mean, that just makes sense. Uh, I know guys that cook briskets at, 350 375 um but it's indirect so you're not charring the outside it's still you're just creating the bark faster um the thing that happens especially with a piece of meat like a brisket where doneness matters like how done you get it uh with brisket just like you said you're trying to break down all the connective tissue and the fat inside and if you don't get that broken down and melted It appears to be overcooked because it's dry and tough. But what's happened is you haven't broke down the connective tissue enough. So then there's this window of perfect doneness where now that stuff's broken down. It's juicy. It's holding together to an extent so it's still got texture. And then before you know it, it's now overdone if you keep going. And it starts to dry out, but what it does is it falls apart. It doesn't get tough. It falls apart. So there's this perfect window of doneness for a meat-like brisket that you're slow smoking. Uh, And when you cook fast, you shrink that window significantly. So I may cook a brisket for nine hours and know that Mm -hmm. there's like a good 30 minutes where I could pull this thing at any time and it's going to be perfect. But when you shrink that down and let's say you cook a brisket in four or five hours at a much higher temperature that window may be five or ten minutes long and then you've blown it, you know?
0: Oh, got it, got it, got it. Fascinating. Interesting. It's just
1: like, I mean, you think about uh, I, uh, think about the momentum, like you start rolling a ball down a hill. It doesn't stop rolling when you let go of it. It keeps rolling until it's done rolling, right? Until it runs out of energy. It's the same thing with meat. When you hmm. roll, uh, roll that ball faster, it's going to go further and it's going to take longer for it to stop. So you cook that brisket faster, it's going to and continue to cook when it comes off and it's going to go even higher than if you were cooking it low and slow. So that's, I think that's a reason why people prefer to go low and slow. Um, first of all, just, just slowing down for barbecue, man, that's, if it's a lifestyle. You know what I mean? It's not just, <laughs> uh, it, it reminds you to slow down. And most of us up until about two months ago could have used that reminder. You know what I mean? And a lot of us yeah. aren't bracing it right now. Uh, which is yeah. like i said it's one of the silver linings that we can pull out of what's going on right now um and then some of us like me get impatient and i'm like oh, i'm probably not going to mess this up i'm just going to cook it as fast
0: as possible <laughs> yeah because you've had enough time doing this i mean how many fucking briskets have you cooked at this point <laughs> and not as
1: many as some of my friends but um enough to 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 understand it i swear the first like 20 briskets you trim you're just like i'm I'm gonna ruin it like (laughs) it takes a while to feel comfortable when you grab a hundred dollar piece of meat and go to separate those two muscles because for those that don't know like a whole brisket has two muscles in it there's one muscle that the slices come from and the other one um here in kansas city area kansas uh we we're kansas city's known for burnt ends and uh those are the the fatty little nuggets of brisket that come out of the point muscles. So there's these two muscles that sit together. And honestly, the best way I think to cook a whole brisket is to separate those muscles because they end up cooking about the same amount of time, but they have very different compositions. One's much fattier and one's much more lean. Uh, the mm. lean one is also much thicker than the fattier one. So when you take them apart, they cook roughly in the same amount of time. And then you don't end up overcooking or undercooking one muscle. Uh, yeah. So, when it comes to the process of separating those two out with a knife, uh, it's scary for a while. Cause you're like, I'm about to cut through a hundred dollar piece of meat and I might not, yeah, I might ruin
0: it. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. Totally. That's the bit, especially if you've never done it before, because then not only are you going to potentially cut it, and ruin it that way, but you're also like, am I going to do this right on the fucking grill? Like the first yeah. brisket that you do, it's like, fuck. Yeah. All right. So I gotta be, I gotta be willing to throw away a hundred dollars here you know it's it's a thing dude it's a fucking thing and why do you think uh why do you think people are so obsessed with brisket i mean look, some of the highest numbers on your on your youtube videos are the brisket oh, videos insane. why do you think everybody's so obsessed with it i don't
1: I, I don't totally know i i just know that when we put the word brisket in a video it means it's getting views i mean that i don't know <laughs> what it's at now the the texas brisket's got over a million views you know while well, we've got very good recipes For non barbecue things that get twenty thousand views, you know what I mean, and yeah, because yeah, 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 because it's not brisket. That's what people are looking for. I think it's mystique. I think it is to a point. Yeah, yeah. You think about like how much time we just spent talking about brisket, and how many people have turned this podcast off because we won't shut up about it. The the right people. <laughs> the right people want to know how to do that. I think it's mystique. You don't get it right on the first time every time. You don't get it right every time.
0: Yeah. What's uh, so what's your favorite like go-to? What is your go-to slow cook meat? Like what is your go-to cut? My
1: favorite one to cook doesn't get cooked the most often, but my favorite is beef ribs, like beef oh, short dude. ribs.
0: Yes, I just did those recently and they fucking blew my mind how I thought it was going to be so goddamn complicated to do. I did, like, big, like, Brontosaurus, like, plates. Yeah, 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 And, dude, they were the easiest fucking thing I've ever smoked. It was Can't just be so simple to do. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's yeah. so I, fucking flavorful. Oh. They're
1: easier than brisket, and they taste better than brisket. Uh, and I think people are going to start figuring
0: that out, too. Um, have you tried, and I've been looking for it, and I haven't tried it yet, but have you, and I've seen that it's been done, like, pastraming, beef ribs have you seen that have you done that i have i i don't know that i've done it it's a
1: it's one that i need to do uh i do have a buddy that i think i have a friend that's done it. i'm trying to remember i know he did pastrami beef cheeks which the composition is kind of similar really
0: fatty uh yeah wow yeah have you done wow. that no i've been dying. so for those of you listening like the pastrami, and you'll be able to explain this better than i can tom but like the pastrami process is a long brining process. It's like a 10-day brine, right? Something like that?
1: Uh, it just depends on how thick the meat is. Typically with like a brisket flat, which is usually what you're making pastrami out of, uh, seven days will get it done. But mm-hmm. beef ribs are thicker. Like you may need to go 10 to 14. And what's happening during that time while it's submerged in this brine, and there's typically a, a curing salt involved, like a pink curing salt, which is why pastrami has that red-pink color. Um, you're mm. trying to get that penetrated all the way to the dead center of that thing. Uh, and that's why it takes so long. You're just waiting for it to soak in, basically.
0: So uh, as far as brining goes, a lot of our listeners may not know what that brining technique is. Can you explain that to us, Tom?
1: Yeah, so uh, when it comes to like trying to affect the moisture or texture of a piece of meat, you've there's like a couple of different ways you can go to improve that. Uh, one of them is marinating, which is essentially like affecting the meat chemically with uh an acid uh like Mm -hmm. lemon juice or uh fruit juices in general or or like a vinegar or something. The other one is brining and brining uses salt um and sugar typically Uh, but essentially what happens is it's kind of a kind of like an osmosis thing where like you submerge meat in a salty water or liquid solution and Mm -hmm. over time that salty water starts to work its way into the cells of the meat. And as it does that, it opens up those pores and those cells um, to hold more moisture than they could before. So um, you're kind of neutralizing uh, the outside, the salt in the liquid on the outside, and the salt on the inside of the meat. Uh, and during that process, it takes on more moisture. It also adds flavor because of salt uh, and whatever else you decided to put in there. And now when you go to smoke that piece of meat, these meat. Uh, the meat is holding more liquid than it was before. Like you could weigh it before and after, you, there'd be a difference. Um, so now you've got more moisture. It essentially just kind of keeps you from drying out whatever you're cooking in the end.
0: It's, it's an amazing technique. Like if you guys really want to try it, a fucking chicken, like if you're going to do chicken, brine a chicken, and there's like a huge fucking difference in, yeah, for in sure. the flavor that you get out of it. Um, yeah. So I haven't done it partly because I don't think I have the refrigerator space. Oh yeah. Like, it, that's a big part of it too. And then if you're doing that, then you have to get like a Yeti, like cooler or something that'll actually maintain that temperature and then be feeding that for what, 10 days or whatever. Right. So Throwing ice cubes in
1: here and there. And yeah.
0: Yeah. That's been, I think that's, although I should fucking do it cause I got nothing else to do. right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh,
1: probably in a place like LA and I don't know, like your, your setup, but like, uh, finding the right container is going to be the key to make room either in your regular fridge, man. One of the things, and I, like I said, I've lived in a few different places. Uh, even in Portland, I had, we had some good space, but like we lived in downtown Portland in a 400 square foot apartment. And Mm -hmm. uh, for us Midwest kids, it was not acceptable. (laughs) (laughs) Like the fact that you could walk a block to the, to the, um, to the, the farmer's market, or I could ride my bike anywhere, uh, just didn't, after nine months we moved <laughs> I, and here in the Midwest we're used to having some space. So I've got a fridge and a freezer in the garage and that's where that kind of stuff goes. See
0: when I, we, cause we just moved out here to LA cause I'm originally from Boston. So East coast and we did the jump right before COVID. And when I was looking for apartments, I'm like, I got to find a fucking place that has a backyard. I got to find a place that has room for us because I'm going to bring my smokers. I'm going to bring my grills and shit. That's the only way I could stay sane. Um, And so I went and I found a really great spot. We're in a a good spot out here in Colendale. Um, But then it didn't occur to me. uh, And it didn't occur to me until the first day I was lighting up my charcoal grill. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. The LA fires and shit. Am I allowed? Am I allowed to, to do this? And uh, I ended up going online, and I was just sweating it because this was one of the purposes why I had picked the place. And I was—I went online. And I'm like, "Fuck, fuck, fuck!" And I'm just reading these articles about how, like, uh, propane grill, propane grill, propane grill. Unless you have a house that is considered a single-family house, then you can use charcoal. And we just fit in tonight. Oh, like literally, my I, neighbors I can't use it. You know? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, th- I that think was some the process, you
1: said Glendale and I think some of my other favorite podcasters in the world live in Glendale.
0: Uh, and that's the all fantasy, everything podcast. I don't know if you've listened to that one. I haven't listened to that one, but there's a bunch of, uh, it blows my mind how many like podcast or YouTube guys are out here. Uh, this, um, um, Jesus Christ, my brain just, uh, froze up on me, Liam. Who did <laughs> we hang on with? It was Aperture. Ted Sim. Ted Sim's podcast is out here too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Andy so. Mogul. Andy Mogul. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's funny. It's funny that, uh, that Glendale is just full of our Ar- Armenians and uh, podcasters. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so, um, so cool. Yeah. Beef ribs is like one of my favorite things on the planet. And then uh, obviously other than that, I'm always doing uh, pork ribs or baby back ribs. Um, but I'm fascinated and, the big, big thing about barbecue is that there's a lot of tradition involved with barbecue and there's, you know, the traditionalists that are like, there's only one way to fucking do this, you know, salt and pepper and put it on the meat and fucking throw it on the fire. Um, and then you have like really crazy sort of experimental stuff that's happening in like what was happening in New York where they're mixing like Indian spices and, and trying bunch of new stuff on ribs. What's your opinion on, on, on barbecue smoking? Dude, I love it all. I, I don't want it. How boring would it be to
1: only do one thing one way like <laughs> yeah. in anything you know what i mean yep uh yeah i don't i worked uh at a at an Indian fusion restaurant in Portland while I was uh finishing up culinary school and uh it's something I want to work more into our our cooking here um mm-hmm. I don't, there's nothing wrong with salt and pepper on a steak or a, or a brisket, so i I don't I don't want to limit any of that stuff. I want to experience it all, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and you you know, to get back to the business side of things, like we sell salt, I guess. <laughs> but like I you know, we get these it's just funny like the one of the worst places on the internet <laughs> is the YouTube comment section. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like yes. you want to feel crappy about yourself go read what people think of you (laughs) in a youtube comment section Uh, i I say that but there's a ton of support for what we do uh i'm just not as good at seeing that (laughs) you know it's it's a side effect of
0: being on film man like always you're always reading the negative comments before you're reading the positive oh yeah um
1: and you just i to an extent it dictates what we do, but I can't live that way. You know what I mean? Like we just Mm got to do what we want to do. So Mm -hmm. if Bubba thinks that you should only put salt and pepper (laughs) on your brisket and he's never cooked a brisket any other way, but that's the only way to do it. Then like, I don't think you know what you're talking about, bud. Like (laughs) if you've only ever done one thing, one way, like how could you possibly tell someone that it's the only right way? You know, I want to experience it all. And I, you know, let people cook the way they want to cook. I don't want to tell anyone how to do anything in their life. I think people should do what they want to do, as long as it's not hurting anyone else. You know, be happy, do things the way you want to do them, but maybe don't be close-minded at the same time. You know?
0: Yeah, fuck yeah, man. I completely agree with you. And there's something so exciting about, I mean, being able to go and try to master how it is traditionally done, which oh, is for interesting. Sure. That and- history
1: matters. I'm not saying it doesn't at all. You know, sure. But, you know, that's important.
0: But at the same token, there's something really exciting about mixing flavors and trying out different things. And, and talking at that point, you're telling a story and you're 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 playing with with elements. It's like I like, you know, Italian sausage seasoning. What if I you know season a rack of ribs so that they taste like Italian sausage? Like, what is that going to do? You know what I mean? Like, you have to be able to experiment because you're essentially looking for that new euphoric sort of experience when you put it in your fucking mouth. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and like I said, like you said, traditional barbecue is amazing. It's fucking amazing. But I've had outstanding barbecue in New York city um, that is just experimenting with stuff uh, that uh, I don't think anybody should be poo-pooing at, man. Like it's really cool fucking work that they're doing. You yeah. Know what I
1: mean? Not at all. I think we can, I think it all should exist and and coexist. And I think, all of it deserves respect.
0: Yeah, fuck yeah, man. And uh, that being said, um, have you? Do you have any stuff that you want to try? Have you heard about anything, or do you have any new ideas that uh, you're going to be putting together?
1: Oh my gosh, man. Uh, let's see. I had, I'm not in that headspace, but I've got lists of things that, like, <laughs> I've got two <laughs> on my computer and one on my phone. I'm going to pop my phone open and see what I've written yeah, down. Take your time, man. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. This yeah. week uh recipe video ideas so there's some in here that have actually happened already like salmon pastrami uh we did that mm-hmm. back in january uh and we did that with everything bagels which mm. i just seemed like a good idea to make pastrami out of salmon and it was delicious
0: <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like an amazing idea
1: yeah oh so okay so one of my favorite uh food trucks in portland was called uh, it's a I assume they're still around but I don't know for sure called Koi Fusion uh, and they mm. did like Korean barbecue tacos and burritos. So oh that's God. something that I'm going to have to make happen uh for the YouTube channel like a beef bulgogi um oh my God. stuffed into like a tortilla with like kimchi and sprouts. Uh so that kind of stuff Dude. I really like the fusion stuff like that um and I'm trying to experiment more with that like I, on that same Korean riff. Uh, like a, I have Korean sticky ribs and kimchi smoked
0: beans written down. Oh, awesome, dude. There's something about kimchi and beef that is so fucking good. And yeah. like, uh, one of the best things about Los Angeles, which I didn't know before I moved here was that Los Angeles's food scene was probably will be again. Uh, one of the most amazing fucking like fusion food scenes I've ever been to in the country. Yeah. Uh, like, the Korean fucking barbecue out here, we went and had Korean barbecue, and it blew my fucking face off, dude. It was so goddamn good.
1: Yeah, um, I love some so, Korean barbecue.
0: Oh, my God, dude. And you know what I like about it is that, especially if you go do it traditionally, where they have, um, like, the charcoal grill on the table, and everybody's sort of sitting around, and you guys yeah. are having that sort of communal experience. Uh, and it's the same thing I like about yakitori. Is that it's it's very sort of communal. Everything's slowed down. Everybody's eating with their hands. Everybody's a big part of the process. Um, and for me, with cooking and, and barbecue, is a great element for this because most people are drawn towards the fire. Most people are drawn towards the smell. Right. Um, that communal experience, that grab a beer and let's talk about what the fuck you're going through while we wait for this meat to break down. It's the best, man. That's yeah. What I love about fucking barbecue, you know? It is.
1: Yeah. It really is one of those things that brings people together. And you can't like, if you've got a crowd of people at your house and the barbecue's going, there's no way you're standing at the grill by yourself. Somebody's coming over to check it out. You know what I mean? It creates a (laughs) connection.
0: Totally, totally, and I love the posturing. I love the posturing that you get from most men when they come to barbecues, where suddenly they're pulling on their belt buckles. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and sort of huffing up their chest. It's like, what you got going on? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, what are you doing? You're not from the South. Why do you suddenly have a Southern accent?
1: <laughs> Man, it happens. Uh, uh, that's you. That's one side of these things that I like of the of this barbecue world that I don't that doesn't excite me. You know, I, I feel like we could all just be who we are (laughs) without (laughs) the posturing. You know what I mean? I can't tell you how many times someone's told me I'm a, I'm a pussy or something because I'm using the pellet grill. And I'm like, I know how to use the other ones too, man. I just got stuff to do. (laughs) (laughs) I think good food is good food. And again, I know I've said this already in this podcast,
0: but man, live your life. You do you, you know what I mean? Yeah, man. Fucking hey, And it's like the best advice. And it's such a great side effect to this because, you know, folks always like I talk about barbecue on show all the show. Like, Liam, how often do I talk about barbecue on this fucking show? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a filmmaking show and I'm constantly talking about barbecue. Um, it's It's because it is the ultimate connector. Like, if I'm doing a movie and if I have to connect with an actor... And I have to connect with a crew or if I have to connect with people and go do something incredibly intense and pretend and literally act like we've been friends for, you know, years to be able to get through 15, 16 hour days of sort of creating this content. Yeah. Um, I prefer to just go, come over to my place. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to barbecue some shit. We're going to hang out all day. And You're going to help me. You're going to help me fucking barbecue this shit. Um, because then you immediately have this bond and there's something about food that doesn't matter what fucking language you speak it doesn't matter if you come from like a, a fucking uh, a rough and tough la gang or if you come from you know the white collar group of society like those people can stand together around a fucking barbecue salivating just waiting for those ribs to come off you know what i mean yeah yeah man it's something special oh, i fucking love it man I fucking love it uh, let's see where are we at. I'm, I'm being such a barbecue fanboy. Today. Um,
1: <laughs> that's. So, I, I think it's cool that that's how you would you would connect with people, and I think it's probably important for all of us to have a thing like that outside of what we do professionally to be able to do that. Um, it, sometimes that's. It's the same for me because I. That's what I do here at work, and then when I go to a setting where I'm connecting with people, I'm usually doing it over food as well. Uh, so. I, I love cooking for people, whether I'm at work or, or with friends and family, uh, whatever it is, but it's not always like, sometimes I need a different thing too. You know what I mean?
0: You, yeah. I bet too. Cause you're consistently over the grill. It's a different experience for you because you're consistently over the grill, right. For work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times, but you know, it's satisfying. And so, so I, I'm not complaining about it for sure. But, um, yeah, I, I think probably out in uh, my time in Portland was when I found like that other thing that was going to connect me to people that wasn't food and it was soccer and you know (laughs) became a a season ticket holder at Timbers games and I like never felt closer to complete strangers than when I was in the Timbers army like cheering on our team you know what I mean (laughs) and uh, I know sports in general can do that to people but that's a, a unique environment and that was a you know in the same way that I would that you would connect with with people who are new to you over barbecue, it was a great way for me to connect with people over something that wasn't food.
0: Dude, it's, it, it's important, man. I've talked about this on another episode where, you know, I know your world is kind of the same as our world where, you know, to be in the film business, uh, you have to be completely immersed to the point where you're giving up a lot of your life shit, like the nine to five kind of standard American lifestyle stuff, you just, you have to give it up because there's, yeah. there's no such thing as, is uh reliability dependability. There's none of that shit here. So um, every waking hour is at one point in time, me thinking about something that has to do with filmmaking, whether it's, am I editing today or am I dealing with a client? Or am I writing an idea? All that shit is consistently on my mind. And for years and years, when I first started, I was completely immersed in that. And I didn't realize the stress that it was putting on me. I didn't realize the emotional uh, bruising that I was getting from just consistently waking up every morning going, how do I earn the fact that I'm not working on cars anymore? How do I earn the fact that I'm not turning wrenches and I'm doing this shit every day? What am I fucking doing right now? And that question was consistently pounding at me. Um, And I had a conversation with another filmmaker and he was like, dude, you need a fucking hobby, man. And you need a fucking hobby. What you do for work is what other people's hobby is. So you need to go do a hobby. You need to find something that's completely different, completely separate, and and really immerse yourself into it for your own fucking mental health. You got to go do this shit. Um, and for me, I just I dove into barbecue. And the funny thing with barbecue is that like David Cruda and all of my buddies, we have, there's a bunch of film guys. We have our own barbecue group <laughs> and we're just consistently giving each other shit on like every Saturday. Now it's every day cause of COVID, but we'll send pictures of the stuff that we're starting. And it's like, what the fuck are you making today? And it's like, Oh, all right. All right. And th- that became our fun sort of escape. Uh, and then it starts to bleed into my work too. Cause like if I go pitch movies to execs, the last thing that execs want to do at like a general meeting is go talk about movies because every fucking person that comes in there is like, I'm, uh, I've am i been dreaming of movies my whole life. I'll walk in there and go, you guys like barbecue? And I'll talk about, you know, smoking ribs and shit. And we'll have a better connection on that than we do with barbecue. So I think it's awesome that you found soccer because that's such an important thing. Um, it's necessary for us, especially when you're so immersed in the world that is your work that you need to have this this hobby you need to have this release and it's awesome that you found that with soccer dude
1: yeah for sure i mean i mean there's like i i totally get where you're coming from and for me i hate disappointing people and so if i will suck it up you know what i mean like something seems hard or you know like i'm just like well i'm i'm gonna do that because that's the thing that needs to be done and it's not always the best thing for you in the long run uh but yeah for sure finding and something outside of that keeps you healthy and keeps you sane
0: yeah, fucking a man, awesome stuff. Um, we're getting close to uh, wrapping up here. We're coming towards the end of this whole thing, but um, I wanted to ask you. Um, I just wanted to ask you, like, now that you've spent so much time making these videos, and you guys are you guys are literally pumping out really great content at this point, um, does it change? Do you feel like it sort of changes your? your world as a chef now being a personality, because it's a big part of what's happening in entertainment right now is that people go to fucking cooking school and own restaurants to get on TV. It seems like it's like, it's this whole method. Um, Is it, has working on video sort of changed your, your perception of being a chef or is it just the same thing? And there's someone following you around with a camera. Uh, Man, I, it, it's
1: changed for sure. It's changed. I didn't, you know, coming here and taking this job, like I didn't, I didn't ask for that. Like, I think I knew there would be some video at some point. You know, maybe it's just like I, in my mind, I was like, well, I'm going to taste this barbecue sauce and tell the internet about it." You know, but or whatever <laughs> it was, like basic marketing thing. Um, but it's you know, it's got a life of its own now, uh, and it's become really the focus of my job now, which I didn't think it was originally. Um, so I feel a responsibility to our viewers because there's enough of them now that I like, I want people to see stuff that they want to see. And I want people to also experience stuff that they wouldn't otherwise probably try. Um, and that has become my job, uh, -hmm. more so than being a cook on a, on a line or or working in a restaurant, uh, something like that. And, and I, I, I'm fine with that. You know, uh, it is what it is and and it does, you know, you talked about the wild hours of a filmmaker and, and the chef, you know, the chef life is like that as well. I went through those years when I worked in restaurants and didn't see my wife much. Uh, yeah. Because she worked a normal nine to five and I worked dinner, you know, and that that sucks after a while, you know, yeah. you want to be a family, per, family man, a, a dad and a husband and do a good job at it. It's hard to maintain those hours. And I have so much respect for those chefs that are doing it all. Um, that's a Superman talent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but part of the, uh, part of the appeal of this job that I do is I get much more normal hours and I may still be gone for cooking classes and events and stuff, but, um, that's just become my job and that's my new normal. Um when I was a bread baker I got up at 3:30 in the morning, you know. When I was a a line cook I got up at noon, <laughs> you know or whatever it is because <laughs> you're up till 2 in the morning. Uh yeah. here I get to have normal hours and I spend time with the people I love and that's more important to me right now. Uh so I've made this my new normal and I've embraced it and some cool stuff has come out of it, you know. Uh traveling is Inevitably going to be part of that because when something does even moderately well, like our videos have done, uh, we're certainly not super successful at this point, but we're plugging away. Yeah, you start getting yeah. the calls to come do this stuff in Australia, or now this was our third year of doing the, the South beach wine and food festival, you know? So now I'm having those moments where you're <laughs> fist bumping guy Fietti or
0: running into <laughs> I saw that, I saw
1: you know, that. <laughs> that kind of stuff is surreal to me. Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything bad to say about how anyone lives their life. Uh, as far as that kind of thing goes, I have mad respect for the chefs that are holding it down, working those crazy hours, uh, whether or not they've got a family, that's not an easy uh-huh. life to live. Uh, yeah. I also look at these people who have become celebrity chefs and they're just doing their thing too. There's no reason to hate on it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't. I don't know where I live. I, I have a unique situation somewhere in the middle of those things.
0: Uh, but it's but inter- I, it, it is what It is what is, and I, you know, I'm trying to yeah, make yeah. the most of it. Totally, man. And it's interesting because very similar to what you would do as a chef and as someone that is, is is cooking for people every night. You're um, creating that experience for people, for fucking millions of people at this point for some of those videos, um, uh, for people that are watching the videos. And there's something about watching somebody. I think one of the reasons why I got into doing, especially in the commercial world, where I got into shooting chefs was that I'm always fascinated with uh, someone that has an obsession that requires uh, like, continuous practice and routine and requires work with your hands um and there's something so incredibly fascinating about watching somebody prepare uh food and put food together and then the almost the beginning and it's a typical story arc where you have the preparation you go through the process and you're sort of waiting in anticipation for what it what it's like and then just watching you eat that fucking food like yeah. watching people eat food is such a huge experience um, and so you're still doing it, man. You're just doing it through video, which is really cool. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, like I said, it's a it's a unique situation, um, and it's it's cool. I, I I like that. That's what I do. Uh, I, or I wouldn't keep doing it. You know what I mean? Um, and I I find those same things fascinating. I think a lot of us do. It's why these. It's why there's so many shows on like Netflix now, like Ugly Delicious. Yeah. I can sit down and watch that for hours. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I I love being able to connect with another chef's creativity. Uh, some of some of what we do, I think Justin and I—Justin who shoots our show uh, and does so much more—we um, get really hungry for creativity. Uh, probably mm. Justin even more than me, and he, you know, he gets out. He, this isn't the only thing he does. Um, it, it, he'll hate that I'm bragging on him, but like he, you know, he got to go shoot Adam Sandler with Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, and awesome. and work a film camera on stage for that. And that was like huge, you know, a big deal for him. And he, so he 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 definitely is hungry for creativity and I'm so happy he is because it pushes me to get there too, to where like, I we don't want to do the same video twice a week, every week. It gets boring. You got to do something mm-hmm. different, you know? So I hope that we have some new stuff coming up um, that gets us out of our normal bubble, And we, but at the same time, being that we're creative people, we're always going to be hungry for that. Um, we also work for a business that needs us to be business people. So we have to keep the bottom line in mind at the same time. So, uh, Mm -hmm. it, that's, that's part of our struggle. You know, we have to feel creatively fed. Um, and we also have a job to do.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the good news is, (laughs) is that most people that are watching your stuff is like, Oh, because we live in a culture right now where people are like, well, if I buy these things, then I'll be that good. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a good side effect. That's all I need them to believe. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Yeah, man. Um, Well, as we get into wrapping this stuff up, oh, you know what? The other thing I wanted to ask you, how are you doing on time? You okay over there, brother? I'm good. Okay, great. Um, When it comes to, I'm getting back to barbecue stuff because fuck it. Uh, (laughs) When it comes to uh, ribs for you, like pork ribs, are you a dry rub guy or are you a sauce guy? And is there an in between there for you? Uh, man, I don't care that much about sauce.
1: I don't, yeah. it's funny, like I worked as a pastry chef for years. I don't really like sweets that much. And I think that translates even over to barbecue. I'm like, nah, I'd, I'd rather have a, a spicy, savory dry rub than cover something in sugar. That's just my taste though.
0: That Dude, makes- totally. A hundred fucking percent. I'm not yeah. like that guy that will just forfeit dessert to get a second helping. There you go. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you know what I mean? I'm saving it's- my calories for a beer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And for me with sauces, especially with ribs, I'll go more Carolina style because I'm more of a vinegary. A kind vinegar day bite. Day. Yeah. Than I am a sweet. And no offense to Kansas style, but it's just, you know, the the sweet sort of molasses kind of thing just mm. kind of turns me off. I think most of the time
1: it's not my favorite either. Uh, but, uh, you know, everyone's different. Uh, and I, I'm sounding like a broken record. People should eat their food however they want to eat their food. <laughs> <You
0: know. laughs> it's fine. No, we're not judging. We're, we're not judging anybody. I'm just, yeah. I'm just talking yeah. out loud.
1: It's yeah, really man. I like that. a dry rub. Uh, rib like dry ribs i I like to not even wrap up like a a rack of spare ribs ever just let them cook dry the whole way through for six hours and until they're tender with a nice rub salty spicy rub on the outside
0: oh dude i love that man and if it's done well you don't need sauce you know if it's done really well it's just really beautifully done and and, uh, you're getting all the moisture out of the the actual breakdown of those tissues that we talked about earlier Mm -hmm. and it's nice uh, i fucking love that shit man yeah Um, i did i could pick your ear all afternoon i'm not i'm not going to but (laughs) uh this is the point of the show where i usually ask our guests uh to give a little advice to the people that are listening to the show and i think this is a perfect opportunity for those listeners that are on the show right now and that have all the fucking time in the world (laughs) because we're in the covid experience and they're sitting here going like wow this sounds magical (laughs) it is um There, where do you, so if you were to suggest to somebody two things, one, what is a good starter smoker? And then what is a great, uh, recipe or a great meat to start smoking?
1: Sure. Uh, so entry level, like I think it was the first grill that I ever owned was a Weber kettle. Uh, Mm -hmm. you can get them for 80 bucks at Walmart or whatever, uh, whatever. They sell them all over the place. Just, I mean, at this time you can have it shipped to your door. I bet we could send you one if you want to get on atbbq.com. Uh, but if you can master cooking on a Weber kettle, then everything else makes sense afterwards because it's all about placing your heat in a very specific area and controlling the airflow. Um, so, and it, it does everything. You may not think you could smoke a brisket on a Weber kettle, but you ac- ac- absolutely can do that. Um, and there's mm-hmm. techniques for that. So I think a Weber kettle is a great place for anyone to start. Um, the offset smokers are great. The cheaper they are, typically, the the worse the airflow is on them. S- and that can be really frustrating. When a grill is just not quite properly designed for the air to move through it, uh, you, you end up getting frustrated not wanting to smoke because you can't control the temperature properly. Yeah, so yeah, totally. I would say you know once you once you figured out how to control airflow you've figured it out um and if that means skipping out on a cheap offset smoker to save your money for something a, a little better designed then maybe that'll save you some frustration or maybe you'll get it figured out and then you can feel like a badass cuz you did it uh <laughs> <laughs> and then as far as like what the first thing someone should smoke uh i would say a pork butt a boston butt pork shoulder Uh, bone in they're so forgiving Uh, it's hard to mess them up you know uh, we've talked about how you can cook low and slow or hot and fast either one will work on this Uh, indirect heat um, like 250 degrees for about eight hours or about maybe five hours and then wrap it in foil and throw some pineapple juice in with it and some barbecue rub and -hmm. then wrap it up until the blade bone just falls out you can pull it out by hand and then you've got pulled pork Uh, And that's the easiest one to start with.
0: (sighs) Yeah, that was good. That was so good. So good, in fact, that we actually stopped rolling. And then Tom and I got off on a tangent. And it was really good stuff. So guess what the show's not over <laughs> we're gonna get right back into it this is what we talked about after we stopped rolling and started rolling again you guys were talking about brining for like 10 minutes and i was like i don't know what the fuck that is <laughs> You probably could have wedged yourself in there man you could have yeah. just been like guys what the fuck no, I I could have, but also then I was like I was excited cuz you guys like the whole
1: the whole conversation was amazing and I didn't want to ruin any of it, you know, by being like, "Oh, hey guys." <laughs> there, dude, there's got to be a thousand things like that within the filmmaking world that I would be the exact same way, but it would not even occur to me that someone doesn't know what Brian is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> cuz it's so uh, inside my world. <laughs> dude, it's totally part of what we do on the show, man. It's like we try to break this stuff down and And really, what I've been trying to do with this episode, um, or not this episode, but this podcast series, is sort of break through the fucking mystique. Because there's such a romantic mystique about filmmaking. There's such a romantic mystique about any of this stuff. And then a lot of young kids get themselves into this business without being prepared. And the unfortunate part about our industry is a lot of kids uh, will go spend money lots of fucking money on like a college education mm-hmm. and then walk out with like such a huge debt into an industry that they're like hey guess what you get to work for free for three fucking years oh, yeah. you know what i mean so um we've really tried to create sort of an open honest and that's kind of why the candor is the way it is on the show it's like i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about. I, I i do this all the time but i not you know i'm not a fucking you know, I'm not the end all be all for this shit. So I'll tell you what I know. And I'll have people on the show who tell them what they know. And then you can figure it out. You know, And I I feel
1: the same way uh, about cooking. I'd like, I'm never going to stop learning like about cooking. You know what I mean? Uh, Not just barbecue, but in general. And I do get a lot of messages that are just assumed that I would know everything about it. And I'm like, I don't know. Let me Google that for you. You know, like (laughs) (laughs) totally (laughs) I'm here learning at the same time. I might know a little bit more about it than some other people, but that's why we choose to stay in specialized industries. And, you know, I, I understand that's a really cool way of thinking about, you know, especially the younger generation that's getting into it. We are working with some young guys now that some of them are just super hungry uh, to learn about filming and Justin's, you know, he's, been in the industry long enough that he's happy to, to teach him. But you did like, like you said, like you're not, you're not graduating from school and going and making big bucks right out the gate, <laughs> you
0: dude, know? dude
1: no, uh, not at all. And even, you know, Justin, he's done a lot of commercial work. That's kind of been, you know, his industry. And then he has passion product projects that he's uh, you know, films that he's worked on as well with uh, he's got a good, a good, friend director in in la um that they're working on something uh but you cool. know he he knows even in that commercial space like you gotta you gotta earn your way into that too you know mm-hmm. you don't just you don't just get a job at you know shooting for cargill or whoever else right out of the gate no, so, no. And, and there's a lot of dues to be paid and it sucks when you think and this happens with chefs too you know they kids go to culinary school straight out of high school because their parents told them they had to go to college and they don't really give a shit, but like they're going to, they got to do something, you know? And then you get in the industry and you're burn out, man, because if you don't love it, it's not, it's not working for you. You know, it's not, there's so many kids that are leaving culinary school and washing dishes and they should, you know, mm-hmm, they should mm-hmm. go work their way up the ranks, but that's a good way to burn a person out. You know, if, if you live that way for too long uh, that's why I feel lucky and blessed to have be in the position i'm in now you know i don't i don't not worried about that so much uh burning out in a restaurant it happens i'm sure it happens in the film
0: industry dude it happens all the time and it like i think the restaurant and the film industry are great comparisons i think one of the reasons why i'd like to compare them on the show because you know we not only not only is it pay you dues but you have such a such a large, you have too many people getting into an industry that can't support that amount of people. So there's just so many people that are clamoring to get into this thing. And and I think the the successful folks are the ones that just, that fucking just stick it out, man. So it's like that long fucking haul. And it's, I don't know, I can, you and I can go on for hours on, you know, the people that prey on our industries and the people that that create industry that preys on our industry. So whether you're gear fucking people that are just like you have to buy this gear to be a filmmaker, it's like no, you don't. Or the people that yeah. are like come to my school and spend fucking you know eighty thousand dollars on a thing, and when you get out, you get a job. It's like no, you won't. And I've never had I have never had anybody ask to see a college <laughs> diploma. Like it's not like I go in to do, uh, pitch a movie, and they're like. Bull, 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 bull. Uh, your idea is really great but you know where's that fucking diploma (laughs) it just doesn't happen that way so
1: well I you know I went to culinary school and the reason I did is because I hadn't like I worked in pizza restaurants and stuff growing up but like I didn't know what I was doing I hadn't like started at the bottom as a line cook. And I, I needed a base mm-hmm. uh, to understand the industry. And that's what it gave me. And they didn't, you know, one of the things I love, I went about the school I went to, which is Oregon Culinary Institute. Um, they're, they're a little punk rock school. Like they they knew what le Cordon Bleu was doing and didn't like it. And they said, we can teach you more important stuff in a shorter amount of time and charge you less money so you can get out there and start doing this. Uh, and that's that was the key. You know, I needed a base somewhere to jump off from. Uh, and, you know, I, I knew people that went through school that did that. I knew the same kids that just mom and dad told them you had to go to college or uh, trade school. And then I knew people who had been in the industry for 10 plus years that couldn't also just couldn't get that head chef position without some piece of paper. And that yeah. sucks.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. I,
1: I don't think that's as common now. I, I bet it happens. um but I'm sure for both of our industries, hard work's the the number one thing that's going to get you where you want to go.
0: Totally, and it, I think for for the cooking industry, it's a little bit. De- it's almost like being a doctor at a certain point, where it's like there are a lot of techniques and a lot of like really specific skill that if you learn and you have those in your toolbox or your arsenal, uh, it's important and like understand. Like you you see watch pieces now on chefs that that go and get trained classically and they go get trained in like French cuisine and. And all that kind of stuff. Um, th- it does make sense. It makes sense for you to go get that training, especially if you if you've never experienced that. It would, I think it'd be different if like your dad or your uncle was a chef at a restaurant. You worked in the kitchen. You mm-hmm. worked your way up. Then that would be a way to do it. But it makes more sense to go get trained for that stuff in, in your business, more so than it does in our business. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
1: but, and I, I, you know, people from both sides end up doing well yeah. and not doing well.
0: So so there you go this is what you get when I do an episode that I'm really excited about quality content and I talked to Liam about it off air and Liam was like I really loved it I don't know anything about barbecue there was a couple of times where I was like what's brining mean and you probably can't tell, but we went through and r- recorded some of that stuff to just explain the techniques because we get real nerdy and assume that everybody knows what the fuck we're talking about. But maybe you don't. Uh, if you like, let me know if you like this episode. Let me know if you like it when I go off on these little tangents, right? Or just write me a ma- message to go, Mike. I don't give a fuck about barbecue. Stop talking about barbecue. And then I'm gonna write you a message back that says, "Well, it sounds like you're a miserable human being." <laughs> Uh, so this episode is dedicated to my boys, my little barbecue F boys, you guys know who you are, my little barbecue group. Uh, this episode is dedicated to you guys. Uh, let's continue making these meats. Let us die from carcinogen cancer, fellas. Let's load it up. Uh, and for those of you that listen to the show, thank you as always for being here, uh, and, and allowing me to be able to create great content like this. Um, and I got a lot of really good shit on the horizon. So continue to listen to the show and please, please continue to suggest the show to your friends. Uh, that's it. I'm not going to drone on for too long with this. Love you guys. Go make some fucking barbecue.